Chris Miles was able to retire twice by the time he was 39 years old. But he's not content to just enjoy his own financial freedom and peace of mind. Chris wants you to have your own ripple effect so you can live free today. He's not the financial advisor you expected. He's the anti-financial advisor you deserve. He's jumping behind the mic right now, ready to make waves. Here's Chris Miles. Hello, my fellow Ripplers. This is Chris Miles, your cash flow expert and anti-financial advisor. Well, I'm going to show this for you, those of you that work so hard for your money and you're not ready for your money, start working harder for you right now. You want that freedom and cash flow today, not 30 or 40 bazillion years from now, right now. So you can live that life that you love with those you love. But guys, it's not just about getting rich. It's about living a rich life because as you're blessed financially, you have greater capacity to create a ripple effect through the lives of others. And that's exactly what the Money Ripple Show is all about here. So thanks for tuning in. And again, thanks for those who've been reaching out. You've been binging on these podcasts. You've been sharing them, but you've also been asking questions. And so feel free to ask questions of us, whether it's about infinite banking or it's about how to create more passive income now, feel free to reach out to us at moneyripples.com. Hey, are you looking for another great podcast to listen to? One about investing and not only just investing, but learning about cool deals like investing in apartments that does not require you to have to be an accredited investor or have a million dollars. Hey, if you want to check that out, Go check out my friend Lane Kawaoka's site, simplepassivecashflow.com. He's got a great podcast also called Simple Passive Cashflow that you can check out on YouTube, iTunes, or whatever your favorite podcast app is. If you want some great education and to learn about great ways to invest in other types of deals without, again, needing a ton of money, check it out, simplepassivecashflow.com, or look up Simple Passive Cashflow on YouTube or your podcast app. Check it out. All right, today, guys, I brought back a repeat guest, Whitney Elkins Hutton. Now, if you've been listening to the show long enough, you know who she is. If you've just started listening or you haven't gone back at least, I don't know, 40 or 50 episodes, you know, it probably got buried back there. In fact, I think this is second or third time I've had you on. I want to say it's third. Third, yes. Third time's a charm. Yeah, yeah so you're, repeat. You're like I, the Hall of Fame of guests. <laughs> you when it comes to that. <laughs> well, That's awesome. awesome. It's so, such a pleasure. Thank you, Chris. Oh, absolutely. And so those of you that don't know Whitney, so Whitney actually, I met her first because she became a client, but then she's gone out and done her own thing. She's been mentoring people, helping people with this kind of stuff in the alternative investment space. And even now has access to some investment deals that are pretty enticing. And we'll talk about that a little bit today too. So again, welcome back, Whitney. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm so happy to be paying it forward. So give us just a brief Reader's Digest version of your background and what got you to where you are today. Yeah, definitely. I started off real estate investing in 2002, completely by accident and did a live and flip and a house hack. I mean, it was an accidental landlord. I bought a house with a significant other, relationship fell apart. I didn't know what to do. Stuffed the property full of roommates, uh, completed the rehab myself. YouTube didn't exist. So it was flipping through the Home Depot 123 book, trying to teach myself drywall, which by the way, guys, don't suggest that. <laughs> but anyways, long story short, I you know made $52,000 profit and then realized I hadn't been paying for any of my expenses for months. And I was like, oh, how many more of these kind of live and flip house hack projects can I do? And I did a few more by myself and then married my husband. We did a few together. And I think where you and I encountered, you know, started working together is when transition into single family buying. Like I was buying, actually holding on to the rentals to create that passive income stream. And then I got tapped out of money and I'm like, ah, I leverage everything around me in order to be able to scale faster and further. And so that's when we started getting learning how to 
leverage cash flow life insurance, learn how to tap into our retirement accounts, learning how to negotiate partnerships and stuff like that. And I also got introduced into the passive investing space, both actively and passively. And so I started off um, investing passively, just kind of, I was like, why not get paid to learn, right? Get paid for my education. And then kind of stumbled into a partnership with a private equity group and was able to provide value to them, scaled with them, which actually led to where I am today with PassiveInvesting.com. I'm the director of investor education here. And I just get to geek out and talk real estate all day long. It's amazing. <laughs> That's going a long ways from drywall one, two, three Home Depot to all of a sudden PassiveInvesting.com and your director of education there now, huh? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And personally, just to kind of draw the difference, it's, we have over 6,300 residential units in our personal portfolio, 1,400 self-storage, nine car washes, partridge, and a pear tree, right? But the long story short, we had to start somewhere. And that, you know, that somewhere was that first property. And it's kind of, I always try to create the analogy for people. You look at an iceberg, like, and you see people's success. It's 10% above water. The rest of the 90% is below water. And that's the journey that most people don't see. And that's why I love podcasts. I love reading books because that's where you actually get to learn the backstory. It's most people are a 10 year overnight success, right? So. Mm -hmm. And I want to kind of go into that because we we're talking about this before we went on the air. And there's a lot of people that even listen to this podcast right now. And you know who you are if I say this. And if you say, oh, Chris, you pointed me out individually. No, you're not alone. There's lots of people that say these phrases, but they'll say things like, okay, that sounds great. But when you guys talk about a 10% per year baseline, that sounds too good to be true. Or the fact that you guys can get people out of the rat race, or I've seen people talk about passive income. And then they tell me I have to start this whole brand new business about becoming an active investor, which is not really passive at all. So there's all this skepticism about this. And of course, people talk about financial freedom. But most of the time, it's about slaving away, right? And it's slaving away, like you're saying, now you weren't saying slaving away, but 10 years become an overnight success, right? But people are like, wait, come on, this is too good to be true. Can you really create double digit returns? And it's passive where you could still work your job, do your business, do what you love, and this can still work. How would you respond to people like that? that are kind of new to the space anyways. I would say absolutely. Yes, you can. I'm living proof. To draw more tangible steps, right? Like I think that's where people, when they ask the question, come on, can you really do this? They're actually asking, how does this work for me? And I think there's a lot of training. You talk about this, Chris, especially when we were in our coaching relationships, we are trained by the media, by our fiduciaries, like in our 401ks to accept a certain level of return and give up our control and responsibility. And it's really when we step into our own and understand what our true investing goals are, our true risk tolerance, and then actually take on that investing ourselves. I mean, that's scary. But if you're willing to accept that control, guess what? Now you're in the strategist and the operator seat. Who gets paid? The strategist and the operator, right? You're switching hats. You're no longer the person that's just handing over your paycheck and crossing your fingers and hoping that it works out 30 years from now or 40 years from now. So you have to accept a certain level of responsibility. And in exchange for that, you should accept, you get a return. Now, when we talk tangibly about the investment, there's so many different things that we can do. For us, PassiveInvesting.com, we love multifamily hotels, car washes, self-storage, very recession-resilient asset classes. We can kind of dive down at some rabbit holes there. But we're looking to create passive income for our investors as well as equity growth. Okay, we're in partnership with them. Okay, we're not putting them in a debt position. We're sharing the risk and the rewards together on all these assets. 
but yeah, like I can tell you from my personal portfolio, I average about seven and a half to eight percent preferred return monthly. That's coming in monthly checks on everything I have invested. And that's the preferred return. That's just like the kind of like your base salary, right? That's so yeah. Exactly. And the preferred return is actually different than the cash on cash return. And I would love to kind of pick that apart for people if you'll allow me to kind of yeah. take a tangent. Is because a lot of people, they'll read, especially if they're coming in the space, they're like, I'm looking for an 8% preferred return or a 10% preferred return, right? They're looking for that paycheck. That's different than what the cash on cash could be. 10% preferred return. I really wish we would just drop the lingo return. It's yeah. a hurdle. So it means the first seven, eight percent of the deal goes, the profits on the deal go to the investor before the general partnership begins to share in the deal. And so I really encourage people to look on the cash on cash numbers. Now, where we are in today's market across the board on a lot of investments, we're probably seeing year one cash on cash between five and six percent, maybe up to eight, nine, and ten depends on how much risk you're willing to take. And then you should see it ramp up from then. So that's one way I get paid. What's coming in monthly is a distribution, okay, or quarterly. I like monthly because my bills are monthly. It's easier for me to keep track of. And then when the asset repositions, maybe refinances or sells at the end of the business plan, I get a gain. And so I think the easiest number to look at here is the equity multiple because it allows me to kind of compare and contrast based on time. Well, it doesn't actually, that number doesn't take into account time. It allows me to kind of easily do math in my head. Like if I'm investing $100,000 in business plans five years, and it says a 2x equity multiple, I potentially am going to walk away between distributions and capital gains with $200,000. That's real. I had six assets exit at the end of the last year, and they all hit 2x equity multiple or above. I've had another seven exit this year, and they're all hitting it about like 1.9 to 2.4. Now, why would it tick down a little bit? It's based on time. We're only holding it for like three years. It's not going to be white equity multiple, but now we're getting into like higher level math. Yeah. Either way, that's still way into double digit returns. If you think of that, like doubling your money yes. in five years. Not yeah. So, worse. Yeah. We're talking about the internal rate of return. We're probably hitting, I know average on our deals is 25% on our exits. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you can't get Absolutely. that in the stock market. No, not no definitely not. not in you a can go to your financial way. advisor say, I'll give you that. <laughs> right. And nobody should say, I can give you that. No. You want them to be conservative. Yeah. And we want to put a disclaimer here. Results may vary. And also we're not giving any investment recommendations right now, what we're talking about here today. But it's true. Like it sounds amazing. And many people, like you said, I thought you said it so beautifully because you were like, listen, we've been trained to accept a certain rate of return, to give up all of our control, to let somebody else handle it. And we're just almost turn a blind eye to it and just hope that things work out. And there is a, a different level of accountability when you're the one behind the wheel, right? But you don't have to be the one driving the investment. You don't have to be the one finding the deals and doing all that kind of stuff. There are deals already ready made. But as I want to go into as well, the next thing, and I know we were talking about this before we went on the air, it's not just about the investment, is it? No, that's another thing. I think we've been trained to look at numbers. Like what is the yeah. yield? What is my return? Because you have, if you're investing in securities, and I should say like stocks, bonds, mutual funds, you can't control anything else. You can't control the operator in the mutual fund. You can't control the market where you're going to invest in. You can't even control what businesses are going to be included in the mutual fund. So the only thing that you can look at your decision point is, am I going to make money potentially or lose money? Or like, that's it. Now, when you start investing in private equities, 
Now you have a whole other level of control and responsibility. We've already touched on, you have to know your investing goals. You have to know your risk tolerance. I love the book, Cashflow Quadrant by Robert Kiyosaki, because I think it explains this very well. Because now if you want to be completely passive as an investor, you have to go to the I quadrant. So you have to find good businesses to invest with. And so when you're investing in private equities, you should switch to your mindset. It's not all about the numbers, right? That is one factor. It's a factor. But who is the person that's going to help you hit that number? Okay, because a great operator can take a pretty mediocre deal and just crush it out of the park. A not so great operator could take an amazing deal and possibly take it. So the operations team is who is going to get that deal across the finish line. So knowing how to underwrite the operator, knowing how to find great operators. And I love what you do here at Money Ripples. Also, what markets are those operators in? You know, are they in good, strong, cash flowing primary markets? Are they more in tertiary markets? There's a risk profile for each type of market. Right. And then you get down to evaluating the deal. But all along the way, you're going to be checking the different parameters of the market and the deal against what you've already established as your investing goals. Definitely. Yeah, as we were talking about before, I even heard somebody say on another interview, right? It's not about the horse, it's about betting on the jockey. The horse helps. You gotta have a decent horse that can at least make it to the finish line, but the jockey, the operator, the person that's actually doing the deal is the one that can knock it out of the park for you. Yeah, they're gonna know like how hard to run that horse. They're gonna know like how to adjust like the tactics, like with the horse. I had I knew nothing about like horse racing, but the jockey would know what to do with the business plan. Like what is their business experience? What is their real estate experience? What is their experience with the particular strategy that they're executing with their exit plan, even? So you want somebody that has like, you know, that deep breadth of knowledge. What's their worst failure? That's always a fun one too. Yeah, it just track record and performance. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I do a Tuesday masterclass where I go deep dive into passive investing and different parts, kind of the things that everybody needs to know. You guys can find me there and I'm sure we'll touch on how to register for that. But I help people understand all these different moving pieces and how to vet operators, markets, and deals. Yeah. That's one question that I know that's big because for me, it's not just like, hey, have you lost on deals? For me, it's more, did you lose and what did you learn? Right. Like what kind of experience did you gain from that? And how's that made you a better investor today, a better operator of that deal? Or not even lost. Like what challenges have you faced and what did you do to overcome them? Yeah. Right. Right now, a lot of operators are selling assets that have been very challenging for them, like in 2019, 20, and 21, because the tide's been going up and assets have been appreciating across the board. You ask an operator, have you lost? They can go, no, because they didn't. They probably still hit their IRR. They probably still blew their equity multiple out of the water, but were they paying distributions for 12 months during COVID? Those are the type of questions you want to kind of like dig under the surface and really start getting granular with the operator to uncover like what challenges they have. And that's not a scary question. No operator should feel intimidated by that question. I mean, we all, every operator has like some sort of learning experience that they've taken away. And you want to see like, as if you were hiring for your own business, you want to see like how they've overcome that. In fact, if they, if they shy away from the question, it probably means you should not ever do a deal with those people. It means <laughs> that they're you. probably hiding yes. more. They probably lack the experience. Yes. Well, I know we only have a few minutes here, but tell us about the operators you work with. I mean, because you've invested with lots of different areas and places and you've gotten the experience over the last 20 years yourself. Why do you work with the people you work with and what's been their track record? Yeah, so I work with many different operators. I should say personally invest operators in multifamily, self-storage, ATMs. 
I'm looking for a deep bench of experience in real estate. If that's what the investment is, I'm looking for business experience, especially if it's a larger operator that has multiple properties, especially in the same like geographic area. What is their scaling? Because it's one thing to pick up like one, two, three, four buildings, but whenever you start getting five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, you now need to add that operator needs. It's not no longer just two or three people running the business, then you have a team built out underneath them so they can delegate to, and that's keeping an eye on the ball and making sure all the assets are being managed appropriately. So how are they scaling their business? What's their ability to source deals? Do they have a great pipeline built out? There's a lot of you know relationships that I look for when I'm talking to operators. How can they get off-market deals? How can they work with developers and get the deal at a bigger discount before it ever hits the market so I can hedge my bets as an investor. These are things that we do at PassiveInvesting.com. What kind of acquisitions team do they have? What is their methodology for underwriting? Is their underwriting conservative, right? I was seeing numbers last year that were scaring me, scaring the pants off of me. I remember a few deals that we passed on and lo and behold, you see another operator put it out and they paid 8 million over (laughs) what the last offer was. You're just like, oh, it makes you wonder what they were doing to manipulate the numbers. So I want to understand the full underwriting, how they're underwriting their deals. If I can get the actual underwriting, fantastic. Not everybody shares their underwriting, which I totally understand. Sometimes they have to sign a non-disclosure agreement and they can't share it. And then what type of lending is going on the property? I want to understand the different types of lending. You've got fixed rate debt. We've got floating rate debt. I want to see debt at least for the term of the business hold. And I want to see the interest rate either fixed or with a cap. And if it has a cap on that floating rate debt, I want to make sure that it's been underwritten at the full cap for the entire hold. I mean, I know of one operator right now, we're not going to call him out, that did a fixed rate debt on the, one of their, probably like a property earlier this spring, didn't cap it. They're in trouble. Yeah, so that's Best a challenge. stress tested. Yes. Well, they stress tested it, but I don't think they stress tested it with... Based on the interest 9%, rate. 9% plus inflation and like the yep. Fed like bumping everything up point three quarters of a point like for two mm-hmm. or three months in a row. That was not in the stress test. So right. um, anyway, so, but those are just different ways that I kind of like asking questions and picking apart just how conservative are they being? How are they safeguarding the investment? That way I can sleep better at night because when I hand over my money and I'm no longer the operator of that investment, I'm doing it so I can get my time back and my attention back. And also so I can sleep better at night because somebody else Mm -hmm. who is more knowledgeable than me is running the investment. Right. But the offers that you guys have going, you guys have, of course, different investments going on. So depending on when you guys are listening to this audio, there could be a completely different investment deal. But I know right now you have a hotel deal that's just about full. You've got like car washes that come up occasionally. So you got some of these things that are more on the speculative end, even self-storage, you know, things like that. How do you guys minimize the risk in your deals? People are listening to it now. As of today, we do have some space left in our hotel deal. So when you talk about hotels, we're very specific in what type of hotels that we're going after. I mean, generally, hotels were challenged during COVID-19. And right now, there's a window to pick them up because they're undervalued based on their net operating income, their trailing 12 and 24 expenses. You can't lump all hotels in one basket. The hotels that got hit the hardest are actually the full service hotels, the conference venues, the wedding venues. You also have limited services hotels, which we're going to stick a pin in that because that's what the space we're in. You have the budget hotels, and then you also have kind of like your motels, your micro motels. 
So we love the limited services space. We love having branding on the hotels, but we will entertain independent brands as well. But we're very specifically looking for a hotel that stood on its own merits for leisure and residential travel during COVID. So they actually didn't get kept in the teeth, aside from the first two or three weeks. And so they have strong net operating income on the asset. The problem is, is that they're kind of stigmatized right now. Also, we're looking for overlay on top of that, a very strong corporate strategy to come back. Now, we're not underwriting the purchase of these hotels. We're not giving the hotel, the seller, that income for the corporate strategy. We're looking to harvest that for when it comes back. And we are seeing that come back. Case in point, we have a deal right now in Hilton Head. It's a destination island. There's 2.9 million visitors that go there every single year. It's the only holiday inn on the island. And then you have over 35 million people that live in a 300-mile radius. That's a huge draw. And then when you look at the income of the people that come to the island, there's plenty of room to move the average daily rate of the hotel. And when we're talking about hedging inflation, that's huge because when you're looking at multifamily and I still love multifamily, but I can't adjust rates, but once a year, yeah. Okay? self-storage 30 days, car washes, maybe every two weeks to 30 days. You don't really want to confuse your customers a whole lot by moving your subscription prices around, but hotels, I can move that on a nightly basis. Heck, I can move it midday if all my book, if half my hotel books up like first thing in the morning, I can change pricing that afternoon. And so it is a very flexible strategy. But yeah, you have to know what kind of hotel to look for, what kind of market to be in. We're looking for strong markets where the populations are growing and especially strong blue chip companies coming in. Again, to kind of hedge our bets. So we've got the leisure coming in. We've got the tourism part of it coming in. And then we also have the corporate like strategy like for corporate travel coming in. Perfect. Well, Whitney, this has been really insightful. This has been really cool to see. So uh, we'll be sure to like, also put the links and everything and contact information in the show notes as well as on the blog page so that people can see this. They can reach out to you and really understand more about these deals. It's pretty, pretty, pretty interesting. Thank you. Yeah. Happy to share. Absolutely. Well, everybody, there you have it. I mean, you might be skeptical, wondering if this stuff is too good to be true. And hey, even if it was, it's worth looking into. It's worth really diving deeper to see because what if it's not? What if this is actually everything we're telling you is 100% true and legit? If it is, what is that costing you right now by not learning more about it, not taking action? So that's my challenge to you guys is that, hey, you can listen to these podcasts all you want, but what are you going to do with this information? How will this change your life and potentially create some freedom that you never knew was possible for you. That's the challenge I have for you guys. If you have any questions, of course, you go to moneyripples.com. You can also check out the blog there with the contact for Whitney and her company. Go and make a wonderful, prosperous week. We'll see you later. Visit us online at moneyripples.com for more resources to help you fix money leaks and get your money working harder for you now. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.